0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to be back. Uh, Back to in-person service. It's nice to see everyone here as well. It's a bit of an odd feeling. I had this odd feeling uh, this week when I went into church and I saw people. You know, it was a very odd feeling indeed. I'm not seeing people that are just part of my family, but seeing coworkers having lunch with them. That was an odd feeling as well. I don't know if you guys have had that as well. I think as Sam said, uh, people are looking kind of nice as well, you know? They're not wearing, you're not wearing uh, too many baseball caps, or um, you know, not to call out the one or two people that are. I'm genuinely not. But it's good to see that you guys were able to book in to uh, get your haircuts. Feels a little bit impossible uh, these days. I'm a dad now, which is a weird feeling. <laughs> Thanks for uh, affording me the time to spend with my wife and newborn. Um, Bora and Jonas are doing well. Um, you probably would have seen if you looked over where I'm sitting; they're not here because uh, Jonas is still growing an immune system, uh, which is something I never considered until I had a baby. I thought we just all had one, um, and he's waiting for his vaccinations. We're all lacking a little bit of sleep in our household as well, including my parents. You know, we're staying with them, and they've been really helpful. Uh, but everyone is lacking a bit of sleep. But Otherwise, we're getting to know parenthood, and it's been a really enjoyable and strange uh, ride, and I'm sure I'll have a lot of questions to the parents um, that are around New Life as well. Maybe I can answer some of your questions uh, later on, uh, when you guys become parents too. So as Sam said, we're starting a new five-week series this morning, so it's a really, really good time to actually be here, um, to be with us online as well, um, during my time away, I spent a little bit of that time, you know, in the hospital and uh, at home, reflecting on the past few months of lockdown. You know, it's 17 weeks, was it? 17 weeks since we were actually able to be together. doesn't sound as long when I say 17 weeks for some reason, but then you think about like four months, it sounds a little bit longer for some reason. Um, I got to thinking about the whole year as well, you know, being off and on with online church or alternating weeks and all that kind of stuff, and it led me to this series. So we've all kind of picked up a few of those bad habits during lockdown, you know, I've felt it, I've felt it a lot when I've looked at my own walk with Christ. Um, We've become perhaps really aware of some of the things that have existed within us as well, since even before lockdown, but maybe it just became a lot more obvious uh, through the lockdown process. There were perhaps blind spots, but now um, you can't avoid them. Maybe there's certain things that you realize that you can't really live without. You know, you're sitting at home, you know, locked away in your dungeon, and you're kind of like, ah, oh, I can't live without blank, you know, whatever it might be. Maybe you dove into those things while you were in lockdown because they're things that you can have in the comfort of your own homes. Certain things that you turn to for comfort rather than God, um, whatever it might be. And we'll explore some of those themes over the next five weeks, including today. Uh, whatever the case, let's pray together as we start this series that it'll highlight uh, the things that have become part of our way of life that don't really belong with the people of God, you know, that don't really belong with you as you walk in your journey with Christ, and then hopefully we'll be able to say goodbye to them together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're able to come together like this, uh, that we're able to uh, enjoy the great gift of community that you've given us. Truly, you're a good God, you're a faithful God, who knows that we can't do this journey alone, and so you never leave us alone. You're always with us. Uh, Your Holy Spirit resides inside of us, and is always shaping us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus. For that, we're thankful. We're thankful, Lord, that we get to do this in the context of community as well, Lord. As iron sharpens iron, we're able to walk with one another, to lovingly rebuke, to uh, graciously forgive, and to always walk together. I thank you that we can meet like this today. It feels like almost a dream uh, that we're able to come back together and we look forward to seeing the rest of our community as well over the next coming weeks. We pray, Lord, as we start this series that you would be with us, revealing to us through the Holy Spirit, with much conviction in our hearts and our souls, the things that don't belong with us. Whatever it is, Lord, uh, whether it's the outright sinful, uh, the things that we dare not mention in public, or whether it's those things that are good things that you've given us, but we've elevated them to the height of ultimate things. Help us, Lord, in identifying these things and give us the courage to say goodbye to these things as we look forward to 2022. We pray, Lord, that you would give us great wisdom, that you would speak to us, help us, Lord, to be honest with ourselves and with you and indeed with one another as we go from here. Speak to us today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So over the past few months of lockdown, as I've preached to you, I've made allusion to the fact that many of you have said that you don't want to waste this lockdown. You know, I've heard this phrase a few times over the last couple of lockdowns. You know, I don't want to waste this lockdown. You want to spend ample time reading the Bible, like really reading the Bible, because you've kind of realized, what's well, the word of God, it's the clearest way God speaks to us we're real serious about our faith, surely we must know this thing. You know, like, you wouldn't go to an expert, you know, in any sort of subject matter, if they don't know what they're talking about. You wouldn't go to an Apple store, if Daniel's there on a Samsung, and he's just, you know, not really paying attention to the Apple products in front of you, right? You wanted to really learn how to pray. You know, you wanted to spend time really deep in prayer, You want to make sure to live life as a follower of Christ. And what easier time than when the whole world is upside down and you can really just focus on yourself in your own home. But maybe that's kind of where things went awry a little bit. You know, these periods of online-only services have perhaps highlighted how easy it is to compartmentalize, you know, to divide off areas of our lives, to really look inward, and to make things all about ourselves rather than about God, rather than about our community. Now, I want to stress that this isn't a problem that's unique to lockdown. Okay, it's something that, for as long as I've been a Christian anyway, and for much longer than this, people have struggled with this compartmentalization. You know, with dividing off parts of our lives. It's where the phrase. Sunday Christian comes from, maybe you've heard of that, or maybe you've heard of like the two-time Christian, you know, Easter and Christmas, that's the only time they're a Christian. You must see how good we are at dividing off parts of our lives. Like, really examine your life. We do church, we do church, and take part in all this God stuff. You know what I'm talking about? We take part in all this God stuff, but perhaps we keep these things separated from the rest of our lives. So we have our Sundays, like today. We show up, we might show up online. Sometimes we add in other stuff as well, and we feel really good about it. You know, We have our Friday night prayers, we have our fellowship nights, and we really feel like, man, I'm sewing so into the community. You know, I'm a part of this thing. But there's this strange separation where at other times, the people around us simply wouldn't know that we're Christian. They wouldn't see us as any different from anyone else. Not in the good way of like, man, they're not weird at all, but in a bad way of, I don't know what religion they are. They might follow Buddha, I don't know. Reading the Bible, praying, talking about God with one another, these things become really unnatural, and maybe you've felt this, like, If you've ever wanted to talk to another Christian about your walk with Christ and you've found that to be really weird, maybe it's because we make things really artificially difficult with the separation that we've created in our lives between our faith and the rest of our lives. But Christians, this is not the way. This is not the way. It's not what God had intended for us. Now, if you're not yet a believer in Christ, I want you to know what we're all about. It's what Sam mentioned at the top of the service. We're following Christ, church. It's not a thing that happens exclusively on Sundays. You know, this thing that we're a part of when we're here in service, it's not just for Sundays. I apologize to any non-Christians that we as Christians haven't represented that well. You know, we act one way and then another. But the truth is, loving Jesus is an all-of-life thing. Amen? So I've been excited about meeting together in person again. You know, there's fewer chairs in here, but definitely a lot more people. And it's not primarily because it's just nice to see your faces, although that's, you know, it's nice as well. It's not just because I want to engage in actual conversations instead of rushing over to my chair during the breaks and typing something to you really quickly, and then not seeing your response, going home and seeing what's been recorded like a couple days later, being like, oh yeah, that was really nice what they said. I can't respond. But in order, like why do we wanna meet? It's in order to spur you on to making all of life all about Jesus, and this is why we meet. We want to make all of life all about Jesus. Now, our modern modern day watered down way of thinking about faith in Christ, about religion, is far removed from what it ought to be. Right? It's really, really far away. We see glimpses of this in what we read today in Galatians in the Apostle Paul's life, as we see the way that he conducted himself throughout the New Testament. It's not just in Galatians, but all throughout the New Testament, when you examine the Apostle Paul's life, you see a little bit of a glimpse of what I'm talking about. We see what his beliefs meant to him, and to those around him as well. I think Is it okay? Yeah? Now we're really back. You know, we've, uh, I've missed that. Kind of. Not really. All right. You see this as well in the way that people that Jesus interacts with conduct their lives too. And you can see what level of importance they place on their beliefs, how it shapes all that they are. Like, you ever read the Gospels and you wonder, man, they're always talking about religion. They're always talking about faith. Like, can you imagine if Jesus was here today? Like, we'd be talking to him about movies. We'd be talking to him about all sorts of other things. But for the Apostle Paul, What he believed in was what he practiced as well. All the God stuff made up the culture that he was a part of. It gave meaning to the relationships that he had with other people. And all of it was woven into the way that he did life. In short, it's as Paul describes it, a way of life. Galatians 1.13, for you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism, I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. What was this former way of life that Paul talks about? So we read in the book of Acts all about Paul. We first meet him in Acts chapter 7, the first time we ever see him. And what's the context? Well, there's a follower of Christ named Stephen. He's being killed for his beliefs. You know, he's being brought before this angry mob, given kind of like the last chance to say something, and what's he do? He preaches to them. You know, and he kind of condemns them as well. And so, of course, he's going to get killed. We went into a lot more detail about how Paul, who called Saul prior to his conversion, changed. You know, that was January of last year, or January of this year. And the story picks up again in Acts chapter 9. Acts 9, 1-2 reads this. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. The way being what we believe now. So observe with me that Paul, in his former way of life, Committed himself, his life, to his work completely. This is what he's all about. In his belief that his justification before God is secured by strict observance to the law, he felt that it was right to take it this far to threaten and persecute and kill those he saw as departing from his beliefs, those he saw as not orthodox. To Judaism. He thought it was right. So Now, we often gloss over this part of Paul's life. We just kind of think of it as, you know, his BC days or like his before Christ days, right? And we think about how we compartmentalize it, actually. We think of it as wrong, since it's not the way of Christ. But there's a lot to learn here. One thing you can observe about him, even before his conversion, was that he was deeply committed to what he believed. He wasn't one foot in, one foot out. He went all in on what he believed. Paul's identity itself was uncompartmentalized. Uncom- un- His attention was undivided. He's fully present in everything that he's doing. And everything he believed was expressed in everything that he did. It's bad, he killed people, but it's kind of a breath of fresh air that he's so undivided. Like do you feel that? Like when I look in the mirror and observe myself, I hate how divided I am. I hate it. What is it about our modern Western way of thinking that makes it so second nature to try to put everything into neat little boxes? You know, it's like we we have a little IKEA store inside of our souls. And we get these little compartments and we're like, okay, I got to put you know, schooling in here, uh, be you know, this kind of, We talk about wearing different hats, being one way, when we're at work or when we're at study, and then we're another way, when we're with our friends, another, when we're with particular loved ones. Like you ever sit next to someone and you know the way they talk to you, even their friend since middle school, they're rough, and then a call comes from someone they're interested in. Their voice changes completely. And you are like, I don't even recognize this person anymore. Have you ever experienced this? I think I do this. I put on my pastor hat when I'm here. I put on my dad hat when I'm holding, you know, baby boy Jonas, right? I put my husband hat back on when I look at my sleepless wife. <laughs> but is this right? Like, do I stop being a dad when I'm at work? Am I not your pastor if I run into you on my day off? Like, am I just some stranger? You wouldn't even know if I'm a Christian. I better not ever stop being a husband to Bora if I value my life. So what about Paul, though? What was revealed to Paul on that road to Damascus? Whatever it was, it had to be pretty major in order to shift completely this unyielding whole person like Paul. He's undivided in his attention, in his identity, and yet everything about him just changes. You wouldn't look at this person and think, this is the same guy, he even changes his name. Sometimes, we mistakenly believe that Christian faith, what we believe in, is just primarily this code of conduct. You know, it's like a set of ethics that we're supposed to follow. Sometimes we think that it's just a philosophy, but neither of these things would have had such a great effect on someone as resolute as Paul was. Like imagine just giving a rule book to someone like Paul and saying, here you go, this is the new stuff that you gotta follow. He's not gonna be like, oh, I repent for killing all those people. Thanks for this new rule book. No, what Paul is pulled into is revealed by him in Galatians one15 to 16, read with me here. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. That first part there, it wasn't philosophies or ethics or or even a secret code or mantra to get him before God. No, it was the revealing of God's son in Paul that changed him. That's how he describes it. He describes it so tantalizingly simply. You read it and you're like, what does that mean? Reveal his son in me. Christian faith is rooted in history. And we've seen this over this past year. Even stretching back to primordial history, all the way back, okay, all the way back to Genesis, from the beginning of all time, God was before anything else came to be. And he created us in his image, inviting us into his story. He says, come, be a part of this thing with me. And then we chose something other Choosing to trust our own eyes, our own understanding, rather than God's word, in order to decide what's good for us. It sets sin into motion, separates us from him, and yet, as the Bible reveals, God continues to pursue us, his people. You read through the Old Testament, it's fascinating. We saw this in various sermons throughout this past year as well, particularly in Make Things Right, that series where we saw biblical history as displayed when God's faithfulness overcomes Israel's unfaithfulness. Christian faith is rooted in history, and this is the history that God himself created, and yet he himself enters into. So Jesus is born during Caesar Augustus' reign. He's crucified under the governance of Pontius Pilate. These are historical figures, these are real people. He died, he was buried, and then he was raised again on the third day, and 40 days later, he gets taken up into heaven. And this is the history that Paul comes to realize that he's passing through. He's not just a bystander, though. He's called by God in his grace that the person and work of Jesus Christ might be revealed in and to and through him. And this calling of Paul, why is this so important to us? Because it takes place in our history as well. It's his work that makes up the majority of the New Testament. When you read through the New Testament, it's mostly Paul. And so it's this revelation of God in and through Paul that God chooses to use to advance the gospel to the Gentiles at that time, not only to his contemporaries though, but to us, thousands of years later. This is the God that Paul reckons with. So no doubt, it's also in our lives that God chooses to advance the gospel as we grow to know him more and more, just like it is with Paul. So why is it that our love for Jesus should ever be different from Paul's own devotion to him? The way that we see Paul's life play out, why should our lives be any different? Why are we so prone to compartmentalizing, to code swapping, to putting on different hats, wherever we go, instead of being secure in our one new life that we receive in Christ? Now, if you struggle with this, if you struggle with compartmentalization of your faith, with dividing off parts of yourself, this may actually point to a struggle with identity. It might look a little bit different for different people, okay? So, like, do the test with me in your head, okay? If you're a Christian on Sundays, but your sexual ethic speaks nothing of your Christian faith, you know, whether it's in your own home or, you know, with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever, If you can tell people around you that you love Jesus, but you don't actually spend any time reading his word or praying to him, even if you're a pastor, and if my off-pulpit life doesn't preach Christ, then eventually that cognitive dissonance is gonna fracture you. It's gonna split your head in two, and you'll find that you're in the midst of this identity crisis very quickly and you'll wonder, am I a Christian or not? And you'll split off. Or you may realize that you truly don't get the gospel of grace. We talk about it all the time, you hear it, you internalize it intellectually, but it doesn't play out, there's no fruit in your life. Look at what the gospel of grace meant to Paul. Here's a man who split families apart. He dragged people away to prison, killed Christians, and yet at the appearance of Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul received the gospel and what did he do? He didn't respond by saying, all right, I'll gather with the Christians on Sundays and I'll resume persecuting them the rest of the week. He wasn't divided. The reality of the gospel of grace dawned on Paul Salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. He could turn and preach this immediately. It was so confusing for the people around him that he was persecuting the day before. They looked at him with so much suspicion. They thought, this must be a trick. That's how much he changed. Salvation was not found in everything that Paul had committed his life to so far, but the good news that God has raised Jesus, our crucified Savior from the dead, thus proving what Jesus had said all along, that he truly is the Son of God, one with the Father, which means that the claim that Jesus ascended to the right hand of God the Father is also true. And so also the fact that he remains with us Christians, the body of Christ. If you are a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ, so Christ remains in you. And this Jesus, he's going to return one day in power and glory, bringing the history that we're a part of to a close in divine judgment, and we will be with God in the new Jerusalem, counted as righteous for our faith. Before that time comes, God is calling all of us to him, to salvation. Just as Paul was called to bring this message, this good news of God's grace to all people, we're also being called to be heralds of the gospel of grace as well. This is what we're a part of here at New Life. If you have faith that what Jesus did has secured your salvation apart from works, you've also had the revelation of Jesus in you, just like Paul. Now conversely, if this is not the case for you, I invite you to pray with us today. Maybe you are realizing, man, the gospel of grace, not really real in my life. That's okay, that's a good place to be when you realize it. It's when you don't realize it that it's a bad place. Now you may remain unsure. You might wonder if you're able, if you're good enough. You may hear about the Apostle Paul and think, man, I'm nothing like him. How could I possibly accept this invitation? But nothing in Paul's former way of life. Read about it could bring him any closer to Christ than you. Nothing could bring him any closer to accepting the gospel of grace than you. Now, if you do consider yourself to be a Christian, but you struggle with this very thing, with keeping your life in neat little boxes, instead of taking on this entire new identity in Christ, this is it. This is how we say goodbye. Ask God for help. Like, this isn't, something that you just go home and decide, all right, I'm going to change my identity. It doesn't happen. It's not like high school, when you change high schools and you decide, I'm going to be the cool kid now. It doesn't work that way, right? Ask God for help today for the revelation of Jesus Christ to the point that you may recenter your entire life around him. And he is faithful and he will answer. All right, why don't you pray with me here? Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness in revealing to us the way that we oftentimes remain divided as people. We talk about unity in the body of Christ and yet we don't have unity within our own hearts when it comes to the things that we pursue. On Sundays, feeling one way and on Monday to Saturday, chasing after the next thing. And yet you, in your graciousness, in your loving, fatherly wisdom, draw us near to you and reveal these things to us through the time of the pandemic and beyond. I thank you that you give us a new identity in your son, Jesus. It's so good that we can be new that we can start afresh and that we can stand before you, not in shame, but completely unashamed, stripped bare of all of the masks that we put on, all of the things that we chase after, and accepted into your family. We want to live out that identity. We want to live out the way not only the Apostle Paul lived out, but even more, the way that Jesus lived. He was certain in his identity in you. He knew his place as your son. He knew it to the point of obedience to death, and he knew it to the knowledge that you will be glorified. Thank you for Jesus who stands in our place before Satan, receiving all the temptation that comes our way and scorning it as utterly disgusting compared to the surpassing glory of identity that we have in you. We want to embrace this identity as well. We want to live as whole people, not compartmentalized but whole in you. Help us, Lord, to say goodbye to compartmentalization. Remind us, Lord, that we are set apart, that we're called to receive the revelation of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace that saves. As we draw slowly closer to the end of 2021, may we look with fresh eyes to 2022 as a whole people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.